We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. So go. Hey everybody, welcome. This is Kyle Jackson <laughs> to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast. God, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's a good start. You said you, <laughs> me lead. That's no, how I'm leading. Did you press record over here, dude? No, you got to. God, you're the tech Kyle. guy. I'm not. You're the tech, the tech guy. guy. Sheesh! Stop yelling at me. I'm not yelling at you. We have a guest. Yes. Yes. Tristana Bickford with the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish. Um, and your official title is PIO. I'm the communications director. Communications director. Mm-hmm. It's changed. It sounds fancy, so it I go with that. It does sound fancy, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so um, we're excited to I have just her. I the tech guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fancy as well. Better than what you usually call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, invited Tristan to come on with us, uh, talk about a lot of stuff that's going on with the Department of Game and Fish. Um, and you guys just had... National Archery in the Schools co- State Contest. We did, last yeah. Weekend? Yeah, 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 a week ago today. Um, so on, let me see, it was on Leap Year, on Leap Day. So February 29th, we had the state tournament. Um, we had 999 kids shoot this year. And it is so cool to me. There's kids in wheelchairs. There's um, young girls, young boys. It's fourth grade through 12th grade. And so it's just this diversity. It's, there's, there's no um, division between gender or race or height or weight or physical ability and everybody gets to shoot the same archery targets. Um, so I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Um, and 999 kids, I mean, you hear on the news about all just of the... One more. Just, one I know. More. I told them. I was like, I wise off the street. Hey, hey come on in here. <laughs> I told them, I wise they could have put me on the line and we would have been better off. Right. <laughs> we would have made the thousand. Um, but no, I mean, it was so cool. We had all of those kids out there, no archery incidences of any sort, um, and just a ton of fun that we had through the day and... So, so tell us. I'm not. I'm. Oh, I'm not sure that you could have 999 adults. Do <laughs> you couldn't without. No, I guarantee you, you couldn't. I've dealt with Guaranteed. adults. The yeah. kids actually usually listen to you, no especially mind. at that yeah. level. Right. Um, so take us through the NAS program. What it is, how it got started here in New Mexico, because it's not that old in New Mexico. It's it's been around um, nationwide for a while, mm-hmm. but. It, in New Mexico, it's only been here for a little while. Yeah. And how it progresses to, like, the state tournament. The state tournament. So, nationally, the program has been around since, like, the mid-2000s. Um, I believe it started in New Mexico in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, we're going on about 12 years of the program. Um, and in the 12 years, um, this is the biggest high school or, or any grade school state competition of any sports. So, it's bigger than football, basketball, nice. soccer, gymnastics, cheerleading, any of that. It's the biggest state competition in New Mexico. Um, but it started, I mean, it starts small, right? You just get a couple schools on board. We train the teachers, and so we do all of the hands-on training for the teachers, and they learn how to help their students safely shoot archery in a school setting. Um, teachers do it for about two weeks at a time, so they can they can start and run it through their curriculum. Um, some go into an after-school program afterwards, so their kids that are showing interest can continue to shoot. Um, but as long as they do that minimum of two weeks, they qualify for the state and the national tournament. Um, and so most of the schools start shooting in the fall. Um, and then progress through the year. Some of them just shoot here starting in the spring semester so they can be ready for the state tournament. But whatever it takes to get bows and arrows in these kids' hands is is really cool. 
Um, and so there's grants that schools, that schools can get, uh, and they can apply for these grants, and we can help purchase equipment for them. So they have bows, arrows, targets. They have a net, um, everything they need to safely set up an archery range in their home gym. And it's actually a, a pretty cool alternative, like you're saying uh, about the state shoot, the, the diversity of kids that can come in there. You know, um, it's a great alternative for for kids who don't typically do um, PE, norm, tip, typical PE type sports. Absolutely, and, and I'm one of those like I can't shoot a ball. I can't hardly run across. A, level ground without falling on my face. <laughs> I, I don't know how I make it through through the woods, but you know, I, I, I can do archery. I can shoot archery and I don't have the dedication to become an avid archer, target archer or, or field archer. Um, but I, I can stand there and shoot the bows and I can hit the target almost every time. So <laughs> the kids shoot better than I do, but that, that's okay. That's cool. Um, and so the 999 nine hundred and ninety nine kids, um, well that, that was in-person, actual kids at the state shoot? Because they can submit scores. So so some states do virtual tournaments okay. where you can shoot in your home gym. Um, for our state tournament, you have to be there in person. Okay. Um, and so about five years ago, it was in the middle of that huge snowstorm that hit in February. And, like, half the schools had to cancel because they couldn't even get yeah. to Albuquerque. But, no, um, we right now we're in the Albuquerque Convention Center for the state tournament. And we have two complete halls set up. And it's... It's 60 targets on each side of the hall, and so 120 targets at a time, and two kids per target. So that's a lot of kids with bows and arrows shooting right? down range. And, and no incidents. That's no amazing. incidents. Yeah. No, it's Love super it. cool, super, super cool. So well, I, I think it's amazing that the, the, the schools are willing to invest enough in the kids to actually bring them to that that tournament that's really cool absolutely yeah they show up in buses and my goodness the amount of um and family support it's absolutely crazy to me that we have we have the shooting line and then we have what we call the waiting line and everybody parent-wise has to be back behind that waiting line and it's packed it is like standing room only people are shoving elbows to get up so they can see their kids shoot and you know it's probably more dangerous to be on that side (laughs) than not by the line (laughs) no no arrow incidences no arrow arrow incidences (laughs) just some elbows yeah that's what good bony elbows are for (laughs) but i mean it's pretty cool to watch these kids that that really don't have the athletic ability um, or desire to do some of these more organized sports or more traditional sports and they can come out and still shoot bows and arrows and hopefully it draws them into going hunting at some point and piques that interest to get them out into the field. So, yeah, that was kind of my next question was um, what's what's the incentive? Because, you, you know, um, the department really pushes the NAS program to what end? What's what's the goal there? So, you know, I think there's a couple of goals. Um, one, as you guys know, the Department of Game and Fish is, com- is funded solely from um, Pittman-Robertson dollars, Dingle-Johnson dollars, um, and the sale of hunting and fishing licenses. And we get some more grants and support. And trapping from- licenses. And trapping licenses. You are correct. <laughs> um, and so anytime that we can help promote shooting sports, that's a huge factor that comes back into our resources. Um, and if you look at target, ar- uh, target shooters, not just target archers, but the shooters in general, that's a huge portion of PR dollars that's coming back into the state to be used for wildlife management practices. And while they may not buy a hunting license, they're still contributing greatly. So anytime that we can support any type of um, shooting sports activities and getting kids out into the field, getting adults and families out into the field, Mm -hmm. 
in the NAS program, they start with the Matthews um, Genesis bow in the Easton 1820 arrows. And so it's a very specific setup, but it's one that you can go to as a parent. You can go to Cabela's or Sportsman's Warehouse and get a starter set for like 150 bucks. And you can go shoot in most cities. You can shoot in your backyard or go to a park and um, get out and, and not too far out of town and go use this equipment that they, they learned how to use safely in the schools. Um, and it can grow from there. And so hopefully it, it generates an interest. Um, there's some studies on the national level that say there's a huge percentage of kids that participate in the National Archery in Schools program and show an interest to go into more outdoor recreation and more target archery programs in the future. Well, and that's, I mean, uh, a lot of your, your programs across the state um, involve uh, the conservation officers running the program, stuff like that. So it really gives them an opportunity to interact with these kids on a, a laid-back basis, not out in the field in a tent situation or, mm-hmm. you know, where they can really get to know those officers and, and they can talk about that stuff. Um, whether they're interested in it or or if they would just want to continue to target shoot. Yeah, and it's cool. I mean, when you think you have 120 kids shooting at one space at a time, um, and we have basically one one adult, um, whether it's a department employee, conservation officers, biologists. Um, we had fish biologists, wildlife biologists. Um, we had people that run accounting programs. Um, the editor for our magazine was there. Um, I mean, people from all over our agency are interacting with these with these youth and. Um, as you guys know, our officers are some of the, the most of the employees that we have. I think it's a third of them are officers. And so it's it's interacting basically with the one adult, one officer to two kids. And my goodness, when do you ever get that kind of interaction? Right? Yeah. That, that's quality interaction. Absolutely. So yeah. it's, it's a great deal. That's really cool. Um, so we did it. You typically do the state tournament in the spring, um, early March. Yes. Every year. Yeah. And then when's the national tournament? And where is it? <laughs> so um, there used to be one national tournament. It was in Louisville, Kentucky. And the, the program nationally has outgrown that convention center. And they could not do one national tournament. So now they have a Western National and an Eastern National. Um, the Western National is in Utah. I can't think of the – I want to say Logan, but um, I know it's in Utah. Um, and so our kids from New Mexico can qualify for that tournament. Last year was the first time they had the Western Regional Tournament. And um, we had a school, the AIM school from here in Albuquerque, took third overall. So that nice. was pretty cool That's to have our team go really to the Western neat. Regionals and, and place that well. Yeah. And they, they won the high school division again this year. So hopefully hopefully we'll have some good reporting. I, I believe that tournament's um, late March, early April. Okay. So not too far apart. No, no. And, you know, we want to hold the state tournament late enough in the year that the majority of kids in schools that want to participate have that chance to get it into their school curriculum. And as you guys know, schools are packed with everything they have to get done, and, and they don't have a lot of just downtime or free time. So to, no. to squeeze two weeks worth of, worth of archery into their program is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. That's really neat. Um, I'm trying to think. Of where, cause I I remember kind of when we started the national schools, national archery in the schools program, and uh, man, it's just an ebb and flow. Like you said, it just seems like the schools have gotten busier and busier, and it's been harder and harder to get in. Um, if there's people out there listening who are you know want to see this in their school, what's the best way for them to kind of get involved and and 
try and get get that program into the school. Yeah, so my my best experience is if a parent or a teacher is interested, especially a teacher um, or administration level at a school, to reach out to our statewide coordinator. Um, we just posted the job and it closed, so hopefully here in the next month, six weeks, we should have a new statewide NASP coordinator on board, um, and hopefully that can help get us going again. It's been for about a year and a half now is one of the other duties that, <laughs> that <laughs> gets piled on, and, and so while we've done good at keeping it moving forward it's been a, a little bit slower progression yeah. over the last year but hopefully we'll get this NAS coordinator on board and, and he or she can just take it and, and run full force but if somebody's interested um, usually a teacher a school administrator um, parent volunteers are a big deal because 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 if you have 30 kids in your class and you're trying to get them all through this in, in a classroom setting the more adults and the more volunteers you have on staff the more um, arrows those kids are going to be able to to send down range um, and the quicker they're going to learn safety it, it's just a better deal they can contact our department um, the albuquerque office is probably the best way to get a hold of our new nas coordinator when they get on board um, and we have people throughout the state that can train teachers um, i'm one of them i just don't get to do it very often <laughs> but um, we have a lot of, of staff that can come out and help train um, teachers um, educators volunteers parents to help this get into a school environment and I will say that you don't have to be a school to participate in NASP. Um, you do have to be with the school to come to the state tournament. But it's still a great opportunity if you are with a scouting program or a church club and you want to bring this into your activities and just give your kids another chance to learn these skills. It's a great, great way to just get involved and, and get this equipment. You can check it out from our regional office and do a program with your kids. It's it's a great, great way to get them involved in something outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Maybe you can tell me. I, I'm a little fuzzy. I can't remember for sure. But was NASP originally? Uh, sorry, was NASP like the precursor to kind of the R3 movement, or was it originally a part of the uh, original concept of R3? Because it kind of fits in there a little bit. It does. It does on some level. Um, I don't think it was generated as an R3 related program. Mm-hmm. Um, and. and I know you guys talk about R3 a lot, but Hunter and Angler recruitment, retention, and reactivation, um, it is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, but our train schools was started in Kentucky by Roy Grimes, started it in the mid-2000s. And I think he was just looking for an opportunity to help get the Kentucky Department of Wildlife, I'm not sure what their official title is, in front of schools and in front of kids and, and give them this opportunity to have archery in the school program. And, and it's just gone across the country. Yeah, that's that's really cool to hear that it's grown so much that you don't have one national tournament yeah, anymore. That's, right? a, that's amazing. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. I like <clears throat> I like shooting with my kids. They we got targets at the home. Of course, you know, being a hunting family uh, and the kids love shooting and it's it's something that they can just go do any time that you know and it gets them outside um and it's a lot of fun of course my son is left-handed well he's not left-handed but he shoots left-handed and so i can't teach him anything (laughs) (laughs) so that's funny because i think it's easier to teach left-handed shooters because i can mirror what they're doing Mm -hmm. and they can mirror me instead of me trying to to switch to theirs i just mirror them and i'm like do like this like you're looking in the mirror and then they they yeah there you go but I'm might blonde, ha- so you that. never know what's going to happen there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might have to try I know left-handed one. archery equipment's hard to find. It yeah, is. yeah, it's a lot different. But we, the, 
the hunting expo that they do in Las Cruces. Mm -hmm. So we were down there, and they had the little archery shoot there. And he went up, and he was shooting, and he couldn't hit. They were shooting at a wall, and he couldn't even hit the wall. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and um, the guy come back and asked me, he said, hey, can I try him left-handed? Sure. And he hit the target every time left-handed, never missed. And I was like, wow. See, he's left eye huge, dominant. He's left eye dominant. Yeah. I'm left eye dominant, but yeah. I can't shoot left handed. Yeah, um, <laughs> I could probably learn, and if I'd have started out that way, it'd probably, I'd probably been great. Right. But you know, after 30 years of shooting right handed, then somebody's saying you're left eye dominant. You should be shooting left handed. Yeah, I can't change. <laughs> I, mean, I can't. I, I could. Can't it, teach old dogs new tricks. Yeah, I, I could. It would just be a you know a large learning process. Large Plus, learning with process. my left shoulder. Not possible. Not not really possible for archery. I could probably do it with a rifle. Yeah. It just feels funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, um, yeah, anything else that, uh, that we need to talk about for NAS? Because we kind of moved into R3 a little bit there, but uh, and I do want to talk about that. Yeah. Well, in, in kind of a middle ground, um, the department is working with a new program that's similar, but it's called S3DA. Um, and one of our commissioners, current commissioners, Gail Kramer from uh, Mayhill, mm -hmm. has been involved in this program for quite a while. Um, but essentially, it's a 3D archery version of archery in the schools. So, so moving on to that that next that next level um, and getting people from the basic Genesis bow into more. Um, bigger, more compound um, bows. They actually have um, divisions for traditional bows as mm -hmm. well as compound bows when we move into S3DA. And it also op opens up a lot of opportunities for schools and church groups and clubs and anybody else who's interested in having an archery club to get involved in S3DA instead of just the NAS program. So it's kind of a great bridge. You can start with NAS and move into S3DA and then hopefully do some hunting or fishing after that. And maybe we get into bow fishing at some point. Oh, That'd yeah. be kind of cool. That that is a fun activity right there. Bow fishing. Yes, yeah, I've never done that. It, I, I, I've been just a few times, um, and we go down along the river below the dam at the Butte. Uh huh. And so much fun shooting carp off the banks of the river. <laughs> it bet. is amazing. <laughs> um, Maybe we need to do our a camping trip down there. Right, right. I, I don't know if it's still the same way. You know, the river usually doesn't get up that high anymore and i don't know if it's the same but we could dang sure go find out it's a lot of fun don't forget guess <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah that's, that's actually um a great bridge mm -hmm. um between like you said trying to transition those those hunters into or those uh, archers into into hunting because they get the exposure for uh, most of those 3d targets are animal shape targets mm -hmm. so you get to mm -hmm. shoot something that looks like something that you would want to shoot right um right. that's pretty cool <laughs> that's really cool um i hadn't heard of that uh it's brand new so we'll get, new. we'll get it going we get awesome. a coordinator on board and we're going to start moving more that way oh very cool. nice. maybe not more but more than we are currently doing and so <laughs> um kind of where did that idea come from you know, I, I believe it stemmed off of NASP and um, people that were very interested in the in that the success of the archery in schools program, but wanting to get more into 3D archery and and helping create that connection so that it was easier for people to see um, from target archery into a 3D archery and um, increasing the equipment and the challenge that comes with then shooting traditional bows or shooting compound bows, um, and then hopefully moving into either more target archery competitions or um, hopefully into a hunting field. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so what is going on with R3? 
Oh goodness. R3 is such a big topic. <laughs> it's a huge topic. Yeah. It's hard to answer that in a one line like oh, this is what's <laughs> oh, happening. Oh, we don't have to, we don't have to answer it. We can go all over there. I mean, this is a fun yep. of having a podcast. Yeah, you can right. talk about whatever do you want to talk over. about. We do we do what we want. We do what we want. Pretty much. <laughs> That's a good thing. No, um R3 is is a huge thing. Um one of the things I'm really excited about with with R3 in New Mexico is um the number of partner organizations that are coming on board to help do um to put on hunts, to put on fishing clinics. Um, we just put out a, um, a contract. We act, asked for people to send in bids on a contract, and we're able to award multiple contracts to um, have third-party vendors help us host these events. And so coming up in April in Reserve, um, we have a, an organization who's going to be working with the officer, um, Clovis, that's over in that area to do a youth turkey hunt. And the idea is that it's all people who have, all youth that have taken hunter education and have not successfully gotten anything in the draw. And then this gives them an opportunity to to go harvest a big game animal, in this case, a turkey hunt. Um, and we have some, the New Mexico Wildlife Federation is also somebody who got awarded a grant in this process. And they are going to be doing a fly fishing clinic um, up in, I believe it's somewhere up near the caldera. I don't know exactly if they've exactly picked a location, um, but I heard they were looking at mid-June for that. And so having these vendors really, um, or contractors really gives us the opportunity to, to spread the message. And, um, as a department, we do as much as we possibly can, but we can't provide food. Um, we can provide some expertise from our staff and from our officers and biologists, but we can't provide food, um, and some of the other necessities to have a camp and go out. Um, we have, I know you guys have talked with Colleen Payne with the Mule Deer Foundation, but with the DOES program, they're also part of this contractor to help provide more opportunity for women to get involved and to go through either hunter education class. They've done trout workshops, turkey hunts. Um, it's just a great opportunity for um, us as a department to, to help spread that message across the state and um, provide resources that the department alone can't provide. Yeah, that's neat. Very. That's actually really, I hadn't, didn't know that the department was was offering that. that it's brand of, new. It's only it's brand, like been like a month ago. Brand that we new. Know. <laughs> it's a brand new podcast, people. It's brand new. You take That's off, actually really neat. You take off and they come up with all kinds of great I know. ideas. <laughs> I know. We've tried it in the past, and, and I think the hard thing is that we were only able, under the state system, um, it, it only allowed us to have one contractor. Mm-hmm. And most of the people who can put in for this are um, very passionate individuals and small organizations. Maybe not individuals. It's all small organizations. But there's only so much time. I mean, when yeah. you when you work with a volunteer group, it's it tends to be the people who um, run the meetings and they run the banquets and and they have families and lives and they, they have all of this other stuff. And so this is just one more thing that you're adding to their plate. Um, and so having just one organization with that contract was limiting because time's a limiting factor and everything. Yeah. But yeah. now having multiple contracts um, and spread throughout the state, we have one. Um, one in like Silver City area and then the Federation out of Albuquerque and the DOES program, at least Colleen goes statewide. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, we have the, um, Melrose Youth Trap Club is one of our vendors. And so they've been great about coming out and doing all kinds of um, pheasant hunts and skills camps and really spreading that across the state. So now instead of just having one vendor like we had in the past and having a very small reach, we're we're growing that reach out a little bit, really putting sportsman's dollars and and federal aid funding and stretching it as far as we can. That was what I was going to ask. That's that's grants coming from the federal, federal monies, which is actually great. Because that's kind of what that's all designed for. Yeah. And so, what's um, what's some of the criteria if you have if we have any groups out there 
um, looking looking at this? What are some of the criteria to actually get in on these contracts? So the current contract is closed, um, but my guess is that the way the state works, we'll have to do it again um, either every year or every couple of years. Um, and somebody has to be certified and trained in some of our programs like Hunter Education, Archery in Schools, so that they're interacting with the department. Um, background checks are definitely a big thing, especially when you have youth organizations out there. Um, so we want somebody who's reputable. Um, and then there's some I'll other... you out, Rodney. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but we really want somebody who's reputable um, and has some experience with hunting and fishing and, and getting people out. And while we can supplement that experience as an agency, um, we, we can't do it alone. So yeah. we want to make sure we're getting the, the cream of the crop, essentially, and not just not just Joe Schmo from the corner over there. Yeah. Um, and and uh, what, like, are, are, is, is there a... I guess sideboards on what that money can be used for. There are, um, and a lot of that comes because because the money that we're using is federal funding from PR dollars, and so there is some very specific sideboards, um, and that's one of the reasons that we're looking um, for this turkey hunt over in the reserve area, at, at looking at hunter education graduates and giving that them that opportunity to put the skills that they learn to to practice and to get out in the field. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it's one on one with either a certified volunteer hunter education instructor or um, department employee most often conservation officers and, and going out um, and getting that one-on-one experience and spreading what they learn in the classroom on. Um, we have a skills camp that we do every year up at the wedding cake ranch up by Clayton. And that is all for, um, families and kids that have taken the online program Mm -hmm. and sometimes um, we learn better hands-on and so if you if you learn in the online program we want to give you that hands-on opportunity to learn how uh, how the gun actually works to put it in your hands fire shots down range we do 22 rifle 22 pistol um, shotgun which is my favorite you can almost (laughs) always find me on the shotgun range Um, we do survival Um, we do a blood trail so that that people can learn Um, we have different ways to make it up so it looks like you know you had a lung shot or you might have hit it in the guts and how you're going to track it and find it. Um, last year, our evening activity, we, are, we always do a wildlife watching in the act, in the evening, and mm-hmm. there's bighorn sheep everywhere up there. So it's one of the best wildlife watching classes you'll nice. ever get. <laughs> um, but last year, we had a huge rainstorm that came in, and we ended up um, in a big garage, and we did calling. So we did elk calling, and we did waterfowl calling. And to have, it was like 60 people in this room blowing on calls, I was just... <laughs> completely blown away. <laughs> but what a great opportunity to take skills that you kind of get the hint online and put it into practice. So all of them have to be, all of the workshops put on have to be related to hunting, fishing, shooting sports, some skill that is outdoor, outdoor related, um, and hopefully will produce licensed buyers into the future. Oh, very cool. I like that. Right. I like that uh, you're able to kind of spread that out now mm-hmm. rather than just have that single single contractor um yeah talking i think it's really interesting you look at the r3 and you look at people talking about the decline in hunters nationwide and there's a few glaring exceptions and new mexico is one of those in that we're actually growing hunters it is and it's because i think it's because of really innovative programs like that and really innovative innovative ways of um doing stuff that has kind of stood out and it's, it's kind of a juxtaposition mm-hmm. because a lot of the nation doesn't even know that we're a state, <laughs> right. Right? but we're leading the nation in so many things. I mean, yeah. you look at the history of New Mexico and it's, and it's wildlife and specifically the department of game and fish and so many things that people do nationwide now 
originated here, you know, prong wrapping and trans mm-hmm. origina- yeah. originated in New Mexico. And so, like I said, it's just really interesting to, you know, we often think of ourselves as, you, you look at some of the nat- nationwide stats and we tend to sit on the bottom with a lot of things, but as far as our wildlife, we're very um, forward-thinking and um, innovative mm-hmm. in what we're doing, and I, I think it's fantastic. Um, and that's why any time that uh, anytime I get a chance, I'm I'm a defender of the, the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish because, you know, y'all are doing some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's something that I've, you know, when we started this Nona Grande stuff, I, I've learned so much. Um, but they used the, to be a naysayer. Yeah. <laughs> a naysayer for, for what? They just hold our money. And <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I know, I'm just kidding. I've, I've just, you know, like you said, nationwide numbers are going down. And we, we, it's kind of like a power company passing out, you know, light bulbs that use less electricity. It's just kind of shooting yourself in the foot, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, as, as hunters, we want to draw tags and we want to have opportunity. And the more people we get into it, the less opportunity we have. But if we don't get them, if we don't get that future generation of hunters, we're not going to have any opportunity. No. We, you know, so And they won't so, have any opportunity. Yeah, and they won't. But So it's very interesting. But at the same time, there's so many organizations out there. There's so many individuals out there. They're so passionate about hunting. And... For such a small number of the population, we do an awful lot to make sure that wildlife and habitat and hunting is a part of our culture. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it, it's what I love about hunting is how passionate uh, we are about it and and what we are willing to do to make sure it's, it survives. Yeah. So our kids can do it. Yeah, we can continue to do it. You know, and I think I think that tradition and that that passion and the interest in wildlife and wild spaces is such a huge part of the R three initiative. And um, if if you take a step back from that, and while while that may be what drives us, um, when you look at some of the numbers with the economic impact on especially the rural communities, yeah. our state is a rural state, and mm-hmm. in almost everything inside of Albuquerque, Cruces, and Santa Fe, and and we're very rural. And when you look at what drives and what helps keep those small communities alive it's hunters and anglers for a Mm -hmm. large portion of that i mean if you look at glenwood there's some cool things in glenwood the catwalk and some of those but i mean the cool thing about the catwalk is now you can catch gila trout there and it's Mm a native species and a native range and there's been a lot of work done to make sure that that opportunity exists and my goodness what better elk hunting than over in in the gila (laughs) (laughs) i grew up close to there so i might have a small passion for it but um (laughs) you you know the economic um and what comes in for the small cafes the hotels um even if you're camping out buying gas and buying equipment um gosh getting a soda on your way out there all of that Uh, makes a huge difference to those small communities and and so there's so many benefits to spreading the the tradition of hunting and, and fishing not just for sustaining our wildlife and our resource and having that next generation of somebody who comes in who's passionate and engaged and and cares and just cares about an animal that they've seen, not just yeah. something they've seen on the news and it's it's kind of a mystical creature, but they've actually seen it with their own eyes and yeah. they've seen what a herd of two hundred elk looks like. And my goodness, uh, it's just a cool opportunity um, on so many fronts from 
traditions and passing it on to economic and the, the local communities and, and bringing people yeah. into our state. Tourism is, is a great thing. You you bring up economics. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Kyle did a podcast not too long ago, and it was it was kind of, you know, lighthearted and kind of a spoof. Um, it was half serious. It was half <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hashtag but, Hunt Yellowstone. Yeah. I just listened to that one. Did you listen yeah, to I that did. one? And the, the numbers don't lie. No. They just don't. I mean, the amount of impact you, that such never, a small yeah. portion of the population has is insane. You'll never yes. get that done, you know. But if you did, you could sustain and grow our national parks immensely just by hunting dollars. Yeah. But it, and so it's baffling. And when, when you know we were driving around up there, and we got to thinking about that, and kind of putting to putting it together in our heads, and then did that podcast. It's a really fun podcast. Like I said, it's mostly just a spoof. But man, if you actually did that economically, it would work like a charm. <laughs> it could really drive dollars. Yes, well, and it that's could. that's one of the cool things you're talking about. Some of the innovative things that have been done here in New Mexico, and it's you know it all started from a crazy idea. Whether right. it's something that a hunter or angler passed on, but that that little thought gets rolling around, and all of a sudden you you're moving pronghorn to Mexico so that we can get Gould's turkey back in, right. in New Mexico. Nobody would have ever thought that possible, but right. but it's happening. Um, and, and what a great way to to send them something that they need more of and we have lots of and, and hopefully grow our Gould's turkey population right. at the yeah. same time. So it may be a crazy idea, but but hopefully hopefully it'll Hashtag cement a seat. <laughs> um, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's and, – and I still firmly believe, you know, we talk about how hunters typically hold things to- close to their chest. They're very traditional. They don't, you know – like to take people to their honey holes and 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 that and that was kind of the premise that this podcast was started on is that we want to share that information and get more people into hunting. Yes, that does decrease your your odds of drawing, but I'm a firm believer that the the more we can get people into hunting, the more money we have for habitat um, restoration, mm-hmm. which in turn adds animals to your population which then in turns increases your odds. your odds for a drawing so <laughs> it's all a big cycle that, that uh uh i think is a great um a great change i think it's a change of mentality that we have to have yeah. um it's an interesting cycle it is yeah very interesting but we i mean we've got to have that change in mm-hmm. mentality yeah. um rather than being the closed off community that we have been and Additional to that, we've got to get better at communicating and articulating the the conservation tool that hunting is. Yes. Um, you know, I think when you talk to people, they don't they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, they the general layperson does not understand the life cycle of of a mule deer of an elk and the fact that there's a certain percentage of that population that's going to die every year. Mm-hmm. And all that we're doing with hunting is taking from that excess. Yeah. Not not just a certain population number of the population that is going to die, a certain number of the population that has to. Yes. And and that's, that's kind of a key. And it might as well be something that's put to use uh, rather than just wasted. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, we, we've, we've got to get better at, as as a community at articulating that and speaking personally this is uh probably the first 
I don't know. Um, just talking about personal observations here, but I think um, that the the department is headed in the right in the right direction with all the stuff that they're advertising now. Um, you know, for the longest time, people didn't know what was going on in the department, and I think um, these spontaneous Facebook posts and um, podcasts, things like that, are going to really help because it's it's a public agency, mm-hmm. right? And people, it, you know, anybody can say, do an IPRA and say, what are we doing? But I think it's really great that the department is thinking forward and saying, let's not have to do that. Let's tell them what we're doing because we're doing some really great <laughs> stuff. Yeah. We are doing some amazing stuff. It, it's pretty cool. So. Hopefully and, and we're getting better at, at spreading that out. No, there. I think you Becoming are more a lot, transparent. <laughs> a lot better Good. because used to I just get the occasional email, and now I see it on Facebook and Instagram, um, Instagram and, and online, and mm-hmm. I get more emails. And so yeah, it it is out there a lot more, um, which is really good. Uh, you know, I I'm always been very self reliant on making sure that I figure out when the draw date is and when my harvest reports have to be in. But now all of that is out there and just, and, I, and I'm not the only one seeing it. You know, there's plenty of other people that see it. Um, and, and that just brings awareness and brings it out into the, to the public light. And, and it's much, much better than it was. Yeah. It helps. It also helps with, you know, the, just the perception of the department mm-hmm. and people like the simple fact that we don't, as taxpayers put anything into the department as a hunter trapper or fisherman who buys a license that's how the department is run yes. and off of the excise tax of uh, the taxes for Pittman Robertson Dingle Johnson mm-hmm. um, the general the general person does not know that Correct. it's just like you talked about having <laughs> chairman says or the taxpayer the taxpayer don't pay the bills no, no. you know not and, at all and I think um, that perception has to change. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some of the great things <laughs> that the department is doing these days? Oh goodness! You know, I'm pretty excited about fishing season coming up. <laughs> We're going to shift think, a I little bit from pro- I think there's probably a lot of people out there excited about fishing season. Oh, right. You, you Rodney, is, Rodney is a big fisherman. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I love fishing. <laughs> I love fishing. Um, it is hard fishing in New Mexico because. Um, we don't have the amount of water. I lived a year in Oklahoma, and <laughs> and you can't cast your line off the front porch without hitting water somewhere. Right. There's water everywhere up there, lots and lots of fishing. But there is good fishing in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to go to find it. You do. You do. You have to drive a little ways. But there's there's more opportunities pop- popping up. Um, like Deming just opened Trees Pond. It used to be a pit pond, and now they've completely re-renovated it and made an urban fishery out of it. And it's oh, been nice. open for a couple of months, but my goodness, the, the amount of, of people and emails and Facebook messages that I'm seeing come across is absolutely amazing. That Now there's one more urban fishing opportunity mm-hmm. in Albuquerque, Tingley Beach. You may not want to go by yourself but <laughs> i mean it's a great place to go fish uh right here in albuquerque um my goodness, grindstone reservoir in rio doso um well, just a couple of years ago hey, they opened up that new one down near roswell by bottomless lakes right Berendo, yes. is that right yeah i believe that's right yeah i'm still learning i've been here almost two years but there's still a lot i'm learning <laughs> um yeah i've fished grindstone a lot 
they have Alto Lakes mm-hmm. now open to fishing down there. I don't know if that's always been open, but it's I, I know it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully soon they'll have um, Bonita open again. Yep. Yep. I would really be happy if they'd open that one back up. That's yeah. been almost almost ten years now. Yeah. Well, and Carlsbad's doing some lake on Carl, uh, some work on Carlsbad Municipal Lake that hopefully will make that an even better fishery. And man, the urban opportunities in the state yeah. are, are often overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I like to get out away from people a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but have you guys heard of the trout challenge? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. That's a good thing. That's um, where I heard about it. On, on hopefully Facebook, Facebook yes. hopefully Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. I had never heard of it before. But it's now brand I new. It just started oh, January okay, 1st. We launched it January 1st. Oh, but um, other states have like the Cut Slam, um, have different opportunities. Um, most of the other states you have to catch them in native headwaters. And that's kind of hard to do sometimes, especially when you're looking at like the yeah. Gila trout or the Rio Grande cutthroat trout, our state fish. Um, and essentially we've opened it up that as long as you catch one of those fish in New Mexico, it counts. So if nice. you catch um, a Gila trout in Lake Roberts and a rear ground cutthroat rear ground cutthroat trout in Fenton Lake, those count. It's not a headwater, it's not a native water, but it's a great opportunity to go go catch some really cool fish. Right. Um, so if you catch one of each of the five species, you can submit them through an app that we have. It's the Powderhook app. Um, it, and it has just taken off the communication. People are constantly posting on there about, you know, where do I go to get a Gila trout? What's working? What's not working? And it's a great way to get more information. But you record your catches through the app, and then you win these really cool coins. We just got them in finally um, two days ago, I think. (laughs) And and so we'll start getting those um, out to anglers that have have completed the challenge already. Um, But what a a great opportunity to go out with friends or family, get some fresh air with your kids and catch some of these fish and you get a really cool coin. You get listed in the Trout Challenge Hall of Fame on our website. Um, You get a sticker that you can put in your window. Um, Mine, I haven't actually completed the challenge, but I know somebody who got me a sticker and I have it on my coffee mug. (laughs) (laughs) So he did make me promise I would go get catch fish. So I've got to actually get out this year. Well, but now you see... And this is always the interesting thing about wildlife is it's so interconnected with everything else. And now mm-hmm. now you're talking about um, going back to the economics. You mm-hmm. know, if people are traveling around to catch these trout, you're spending money in your in your yeah. local communities, mm-hmm. uh, gas, food, whatever it is. Seeing new countries. Seeing new countries, learning new places. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that we're always talking about is – the incredible opportunity we have in New Mexico for the diverse landscape and the different things that you can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have almost every eco zone on the earth except for rainforest and <laughs> tundra. Yep. Yep. Every other one we have it covered from from the highest peaks down to the lowest desert. Yep. And um, we really have some spectacular things to show off here in New Mexico. We do. Yeah. Fishing. We do. That's. Uh, I've caught a lot of fish. Um, my first Gila trout that I caught, mm-hmm. uh, it, I'll never forget that fish. Um, it wasn't spectacular. Um, well, it was. It was a very big Gila trout. But um, I caught it. I was fishing with Jeff, mm-hmm. uh, our father-in-law. And he was a hot shot out at Gila. And mm-hmm. he lived there at Gila Hot Springs. And that's where my wife grew up. And we were fishing uh, below the bridge down there below the Gila Hot Springs. And um, he wasn't fishing. I was fishing. He was just with me. And I've never seen somebody get more excited over a fish. (laughs) He was so excited. And he helped. 
he helped build the dams mm-hmm. up upriver where they put the dams. I, I don't I haven't been there, but where you put the dams to put the, uh, the fish barriers yeah, uh-huh. above them. Um, he helped on those projects when he was down there. Oh, um, cool. But when I caught that fish, he was so excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just like massive excited and thought it was really cool, which in turn made me really excited. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget catching that one fish. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's what we sometimes get s- yeah. so locked into our own thing, mm-hmm. you know, that we forget that there's tons of other people who out. I mean, there's people who get as excited about doing a trout slam as we get excited about going to hunt a mule sure. deer or an elk or sure. a mountain goat or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, um, so many opportunities. That's that's really cool. I yeah. like I like that. I like the um, I'm not a big fisherman, but I might actually. You have to just to get on the Hall yeah, of Fame, right? We just we'll take our fly rods. It's a, an excuse for us to go camping with the family. Exactly. Exactly. Some new country. Go see some new country. You know, go go off into the Gila. I know there's I know there's one of those I can catch in my backyard. So yeah. There you <laughs> You're very spoiled in your backyard. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I, I mean, it 18, is a great opportunity. Inches, you, know. you could do a mini backpacking trip up Whitewater Creek and, yep. and go into the headwaters mm. and, and catch them. But I, I mean, gosh, there's just so many opportunities to, to catch fish and to and to be a part of nature, to go out and, and do camping, hiking, even if it's stop along the road on a on a trip and and cast for a few minutes. You never know what you're going to come just, up with. I mean, we just took a trip to Idaho last year where we pretty much did exactly that. <laughs> we just. And this is the first trip I've ever done where it was focused kind of around fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been a big fisherman. I'd, I'd fish if the opportunity was there and we were camping or or hunting in that place, but I never went to to fish. Um, I I liked it. It was it, it's it's so just much fun. so much fun, whether you catch or not. You know, I'm not a big we lake fisherman. <laughs> we didn't catch anything. We didn't catch anything, but. Like you said, it it puts you out in nature. It it, it gives you a chance just to kind of be there, yeah. um, along with so many other things, trapping, hunting, um, yeah. camping, we, all of it. We didn't catch anything, but we got to stand in the middle of an actual river. An actual river um, <laughs> that that will humble you. And yeah, it'll it'll, it'll it'll dang sure you know. Okay, this is not a creek that I can just hop across or anything. It's a river, and I better be careful walking across here. <laughs> I'm going to be down there in just a minute. Uh, so but, it, really go, cool opportunities to get yeah. to get to do some stuff like that. Yeah. So that's any any chance I get an um, an excuse to tell my wife that we're going to go on a trip. I'm happy for. <laughs> we got to go catch five different fish. Got to catch five different. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her that. We're just going to go camping. Catch yeah. some fish on one time. <laughs> right. However you have to do it, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Just tell her not to listen to this podcast. She doesn't <laughs> she give it away. She doesn't listen to my podcast anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's she, all good. She, she listened to us enough without having to listen to the podcast. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. Stop there. No, I, you know, I think there's just so many great fishing opportunities coming up. And, and when you look at um, some of the opportunities that are offered at state parks, whether it's um, Cimarron, Clayton Lake State Parks, which is getting renamed to Clayton Lake State state park and dinosaur trackways i mean you can go catch some cool fish you can catch some bass and look at old dinosaur tracks um fenton lake i don't know but the ice fishing at fenton lake this year was phenomenal i was constantly getting pictures and videos and oh my goodness just so many people playing rainbow trout and brook trout um um, uh rio grand Grand cutthroat trout out of fenton and just 
Man, Do they have any tigers in fish? No, I don't believe so. Those are so. down blue water in that area? Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, tiger tiger, tiger muskies. Yeah. Okay. I, just talking about I, would li- I would actually like to catch one of those. That would be <laughs> A tiger muskie? Yeah. I, don't, I know. Except for when we see the pictures come in for um, on the fishing report, everybody always has like big scratches on their arms I'm and sure. there's they blood coming. So big I, old I want to catch one, but I want somebody that knows what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> to get it off that hook. Catch one on a kayak and have them drag me around for a while. Yeah. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. That's the lazy way to do it. Yeah, see the lake. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> May not be fair to the fish, but, <laughs> but you know. Um, but, you know, yeah. free fishing days in June, um, which is a great opportunity for people to get out. and First Saturday in June? First Saturday in June. Yep. And I can't think of the exact date off my head. But, yeah, first Saturday in June. And, and it may be free fishing day, but all rules and regulations apply other than you don't need a license. Yeah, so so bag <laughs> limits still apply. That's a, that's a big one to get out there. <laughs> it's a big it's one. It's free fishing day. For a license, <laughs> everything else applies. Bag limits, it's hooks, special trout waters, it all applies. <laughs> all of that still You just applies. don't have to have a license that day. That day. <laughs> <laughs> but really what it's designed for is that opportunity for somebody that wants to try it yeah. once. And just, I mean, go to Walmart, get the $10 rod, a box of worms, and a lunch. Grab your lunch and, and some sunscreen and head out for a few hours. Well, and, and usually the department has some events on those days, too, to so you don't have to buy a rod if you don't want to. Yes. Yeah. All over the state, we have activities that day. And um, it's probably one of the busiest weekends for our agency <laughs> across the state. Um, I've been here. This will be my third free fishing day in New Mexico. And I've always been at the YHEC tournament up in, in Raton. But um, goodness, yeah, free fishing day. Liam's Night Pond and Corrales has a new event that's absolutely huge. And the community is really coming together on that and providing a lot of giveaways to kids. So it's fishing packages. Last year they had a hot air balloon trip donated that some kid nice. won for nice. just going fishing. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, all over the state, there's fishing clinics and we'll start getting those listed out on the website and on our Facebook events page. Um, hopefully pretty, pretty soon we'll, we'll get those out there. Very cool. um, I believe Rancho Grande Ponds over in reserve has a big, big event on free fishing day. And it, yeah, it's pretty cool. So if you want to just try it and get out and, and test the waters and see how much fun it really is, that you can get a little help along the way, which is always a good thing. Pun- test the waters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Free fishing day, um, fishing clinics. Like I said, we have that contract out so that the wildlife federation mm-hmm. will be doing that fly fishing clinic up mm-hmm. in, I believe they're looking at the Hamas to do that. And Man, I, I can't seem to get fly fishing down, so I'm hoping they'll let me come as a participant. But <laughs> <laughs> You're not good crossed. at it either. No. Um, I'm hoping to get better. Oh, I'm hoping. It's so I, much fun. I laugh. My dad is my number one supporter of everything I do, and I went fishing, fly fishing about 10 years ago, and I came out, and I was like, Dad, it was it was awful. And he goes, yeah, honey, I know. You've never been good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I have some work to do, and I still have work to do 10 years yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I got lucky enough to go on, uh, to get invited on a guided fishing trip up on the um, – San Juan. San Juan. Oh, fun. And yes, and and it was. We didn't take was, that trip. I, I don't really want to go. We 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 need to get that trip booked down. We do. We've got another opportunity to to go again. But I got to go, and um, I I'm not a great, I'm not a great fisherman. Period. Mm-hmm. Fly fisherman. Um, fly fisherman for sure. But when you have somebody there that knows what's going on, and, and well, let's say that's you know. 
is a guided trip. You know, it's pretty much, you know, just pitch your fly right there. You'll do good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still a lot of fun, and it, it was really cool. I did learn a lot, um, you know, because they're fly fishing experts. They yeah. know, they know, you know, how to tie them. And I was probably more of a pain because I was like, hey, how are you tying that? And, hey, how are you doing that? And, hey, what's the point of this? Um, so here's the really other cool fun- trip. Here's the other funny thing. Again, talking about how we kind of get locked into our own personal thing, our own perception of stuff. You don't realize how much actually goes into fishing. You think, oh, I'm going to throw the bait out there. But, oh, no. Like, where the fish, I mean, it's just like hunting. You know, the fish like to be in a certain area at a certain time of the year, depending on the temperature of the water Mm -hmm. and the nutrient Mm -hmm. levels in the water and the oxygen, you know, how much the oxygen is dissolved. Um, There's a lot to it. There There is. is. You know, and it's fun when you start learning and working with the guide or somebody that knows how the rivers ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I was up, um, or I'm hoping to get up. We're right now doing a project up on Abiquiu um, below the dam and basically rebuilding habitat. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure you've seen it when you drive across and you look down and it's one solid line, straight line of river, which isn't great for fishing. And so our fisheries team has been in there and putting boulders and creating ponds and creating some ebb and flow to the stream. And they'll go, they'll go out and t- teach me, and they're like, now see how we're creating a pool, and the fish have yeah. a place to get out of the stream where they can kind of relax and maybe get some food that's settled in, and it's just super cool when you yeah. start learning that. And I like going out with those them on those kind of projects and yeah. learning how it actually works and where mm-hmm. the fish like to be, and it doesn't make me a better angler, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's pretty cool that they're doing those projects and, yeah. and helping fish habitat like they, that. They did one on the river. Um, going by Lincoln, mm-hmm. uh, up in Lincoln County, and you know they've done a lot of work in there, doing yeah. the same thing, you know, yeah. making the river and and Rio Rio Doso too, making the river change instead of just yeah the straight line. the straight. Uh, you think of think of a river or a stream that like the best way to think about it is if you got a railroad on one side and and a, a road on the other going down a canyon, it just shoots that stream mm-hmm. straight down. That's not not good habitat. You think of it. Think of that as you would think of a clear cut. Yeah. Just when yeah. you when you're thinking about diversity of species and the components for habitat, those are low on the on the list um, because when you look at diversity, you're looking for edges. Yeah. So within a stream, it's the same way. You know, you got your your fast flow, and then you've got some eddies, and you've got some rocks, and you've got some places that can settle and hide food and all that stuff. So it's um, again. It, the more it's fun being a student of the outdoors yes. mm-hmm. because there's always more to learn. There is. Always. There is. Yeah. You may think you know everything, but yeah. that's just when Mother Nature slaps you in the face and tells yeah. you, <laughs> tells you uh, you don't great, know. <laughs> great example of that. You know, we we thought we knew kind of what bears did, you know, mm-hmm. that they have this certain territory to stay in. Um, game and fish uh, collared a bear up on Vermejo. And in a two-year span, it went from Vermejo, crossed I-25, went up the eastern side, which is plains, nothing out there, of I-25 to Castle Rock, almost to Denver. Came back down, dinned um, just north of Colorado City, Mm -hmm. came out, messed around up there a little bit, and then came back to, with I think, within almost a mile of where it was collared in a two-year span. Yep. Never seen that. I think they collared it. A cat yeah. that went to California. Really? From yeah. New Mexico? Yeah. Oh, that's out so there cool. On the, out there on the range. Out there on the White Sands Missile Range. All the, way to went all the way to California. They know no barrier. No, the wildlife know no barriers. They, 
they will go. They, they don't look at property boundaries or state boundaries. No. But I have to say thanks for bringing that article up because we have an article in the Spree magazine coming up on that bear. Do you? <laughs> and we have a map oh, nice. of his travels up That's there. That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah, check out that. We'll send an email out to everybody when that magazine's up. But I was just reading it, looking at the graphics. It's pretty cool. If you're looking, yeah, you guys definitely need to check that out yeah. when that magazine comes out because it is such a cool piece of data. It is. Yeah. It is. Just proves again, Mother Nature slaps you upside the head. Says, "You think?" <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's cool. What else yeah. is coming up? Anything? Oh, goodness, there's always something going on, and um, I'm sure I'll forget something. But um, the draw is happening. The draw is happening. I need to put in for that this weekend. Yeah. Yes. Rodney's already, Rodney's already got in. I've got us all set up. I, I, that's. Kyle's lazy in that regard. No, I'm not lazy. He's, he's not lazy. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream Team, work. It, it does. Um, he does the odds. I got yeah. So I've got it all figured out, and I've got you talk to the officers and get in. the location. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're ready for that. I'm excited this year. I'm hoping for that Oryx tag. I know. Me too. Gosh. I keep laughing because everyone in the department's like, you have to put in for Oryx. I'm like, I've never even seen one. <laughs> oh. I feel like I should see one, but I think they have to convince. I'll put it in this year. That's yeah, what I so hear. Good. So good. I'll have to, I'm um, going to put it in. I, I, we, we, we talked about hunting odds earlier and stuff <laughs> like that. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people that complain about not drawing elk tags and stuff like that. And I've never drawn an Oryx tag. Yeah. Never in my life. No. Um, been putting in for years and years and years. Someday I will. Um, It'll happen one of these days, but man, I would love the opportunity to go hunt an oryx. But okay. where else in New Mexico? Where else other than New Mexico? Texas. Africa. Go high to, fence. Going to go to Africa or <laughs> Texas high, high fence. Tex- Texas. But yeah. so great opportunity. I'm, I really hope I draw that tag. I think I think it's pretty cool. And the diverse, um, as we were talking about, you can hunt mule deer, coos deer. I mean, gosh, you can hunt almost anything here. Biggest diversity of any wildlife across the country. And, and public land hunting is great opportunities here. Yeah. Did you put in for Ibex this year? No. I <laughs> I think we should put in for that bow hunt. I know it's been so? a terrible hunt, but it's our best chance to draw it. And it's just another chance to go hunting. Yeah, I know. Did you see, so speaking of Ibex, um, our biologist down in Cruces just partnered with the um, Las Cruces Police Department, and Mm -hmm. they're helping us do surveys now on Ibex using drones. And and, and they got some amazing footage on some test flights about a week ago, and it'll be cool to to help our population counts and help us um, do those surveys more effectively and ensure that the data we're collecting with traditional methods is even stronger than it was before. So it's pretty cool. That's got some great implications um, statewide for other species if, yeah. if that drone work really g- is good because i know there's a lot of areas in the state where <sighs> it's hard to say this that you know the department isn't quote unquote actively managing the population um and it's not for lack of want it's just that that population is doing well enough you don't have to really worry about it um but i know specifically f- for mule deer that could be huge to really um open up the available because Flight time for population surveys is so expensive with helicopters. It's significant. And so if you can open up the, the availability uh, to do those surveys cheaper through a drone or something like that, man, do you, can you think about the data that we could gather? It could right? be really cool. And, you know, some of our, our big game species and the, the survey data that we have traditionally been using has been um, – 
has been supplemented significantly now with the wildlife corridors, mm -hmm. looking at federal funds coming in um, and grants that we've received from the federal government, and now the governor's initiative to look at wildlife migration corridors across the state. Um, right now we have radio callers on elk, deer, and antelope up um, by the, the Chama area and down mm -hmm. by Cuba, and it's providing data that, that we never knew we had about, about antelope that are migrating up to high elevations, higher than we ever thought they were before. Right. And now we have proven data that they are going up there in the summer. And hopefully with that information we're getting, we can improve corridors so that they can safely move between winter and summer habitat. And gosh, and that's all just because of this federal initiative that we've been able to get yeah. more grant num grant money and expand that research effort. But yeah. well, it goes back to what we were talking about with, you know, the minute you think you know something about, right. you know, yeah. about stuff. Pronghorn antelope. Where, where do you think? Whenever you think pronghorn antelope, <laughs> down the, low. Yeah, the high the high, <laughs> the high plains, plains of the mm -hmm. northeast corner, or um, real open wide areas. You know, um, there's there's a resident herd of antelope in the Vivadol. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and that's not the only one that's up in that part no. of the country. No, yeah. they're you moving know. around. They yeah. are. Technology is really helping us learn so much about wildlife. Uh, it's very neat. Yeah. So I'm very interested in those studies, the the migration corridors and stuff and and stuff like that. So they have plans for more of those kind of along that northern border. They do. And other places, are we looking like Gila? Um, so there's a couple of things going on. Um, with money coming in from the federal government, we've kind of looked at that northern New Mexico herds. Um, to start off with, because. You have to start small and then grow those right, programs right. out. Um, but they, they've started looking at those. We collared, I'm thinking it was January that we put um, our second rounds of collar out in that area, collars out in that area. Um, but we also have the governor's initiative, um, which came out of the 2019 legislative session. And I believe it was $200,000 that went to the Department of Game and Fish and the Department of Transportation to look at a statewide migration corridor initiative um, and together um, through a third-party contractor, we have um, a draft plan in place, and it's out for public comment right now. Um, I think there's still a few meetings that are that are coming up, um, but that plan is out. It's on the Department of Transportation's website, and people can start looking at yeah, it. And that's a statewide a approach. Beef. You guys didn't do one in the northeast corner. It, it was a <laughs> it was a whole range of, of um, people that had to get involved in those, but they did <laughs> ten meetings, and there was one in Santa Fe and Farmington, and so maybe not as close to you as you would have liked. But mm -hmm. every, every meeting that they have about anything down near me is always Wednesday at two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they need some. Like they need some Saturday. Right? <laughs> they need some Saturday meetings. Even six o'clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's tough. Um, it's tough, but. Even having said that, and you know I've said this on the podcast before, if it's if it's anything to do with landowners, that meeting is going to be packed. But if it's if it's if it's just public land people, we tend to we, we tend underrepresent. To not, yeah, we do. We underrepresent if don't at all. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just sad. You know, I went to a lot of those meetings when they were doing the antelope and and redoing the the um, E plus E plus. Uh huh. Um, and if it was a private land meeting, it was packed. Yes. There was there was yeah. no room. Um but if it was public, eh, not so much. 
you know, and that's something I encourage everybody. It's if even if you can't attend the public meeting, there's so many opportunities to get involved and to have your opinions spread out there. And we as an agency want to hear them. The commission wants to hear um, opinions. That way we make a better, well-rounded um, decision when all the information yeah. is present. And our biologists, um, I always say that some of the most passionate people in the world, and, and they are, and they work hard, but they want that information yeah. and that feedback. And if you can't attend a meeting at, on Wednesday at 2 o'clock, um, you know, Go to the commission meeting and speak usually Thursday or Friday in the middle of the day. So that, that I know that that's a challenge, but um, get involved with your local conservation we're, officers, we're your local emails, biologists, um, like emails. That. Yeah, you can you can call and talk to us. And while the official comments have to come in an email form because it's easier to record them if they come in an email form. Um, but but having that one way or that two way conversation with yeah. um, with people makes makes us better decisions all yeah. the way around and whether it's yeah. a hunt structure or if you want to see something else on our social yeah. media that we can get out there i mean we're always open open to ideas even if we yeah. can't put all of them into practice we yeah. want to hear them well you're never going to get you know it, you may not get what you want but you're definitely not going to get what you want if mm-hmm. you don't speak it right true true and like we we're talking about you know silly ideas at some mm-hmm. point if they mull around enough something can be taken from that that, that helps benefit wildlife and the people of new mexico yeah. and and it may not be the exact idea it may just be a concept mm-hmm. offshoot of that idea mm-hmm. you know so yep cool at one point it was probably a crazy thought to trap and transplant pronghorn oh absolutely uh-huh. absolutely yep. yeah I, I mean who would have thought let's let's trade with mexico to right. supplement a turkey <laughs> pop- turkey population turkey. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it turned but, out great. Uh, yeah turned out great. yeah Very so good. hopefully we can continue to grow that gould's population they're headed down to do surveys down there in a few weeks. I was hoping I could go with them, but maybe next year. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else that uh, you'd like to bring up? <sighs> there's there's so much, but, I mean, like I was saying, we're, we're trying our best to get better with our, with our outreach and um, just – get engaged um, whether it's social media or sign up for an email list and, and we'll we'll send those ideas out there and tell you tell everyone about programs that are coming up and um, our magazine we have a monthly newsletter that comes out now and, and hopefully we're getting more content into it so that people um, can get engaged and know about what the department's doing awesome. I need to I need to start doing those monthly so I've got those old wildlife yeah, magazines. Yeah, I need yeah. to start doing those monthly historic <laughs> deals. It's in storage right now. They're building my house. I know, all right, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so tell us, tell us how um, our listeners can find you on Facebook and get on those emailing lists. Stuff yeah. Like so I mean, the best way is just to Google New Mexico Department of Game and Fish. Mm-hmm. Our our website is wildlife.state.nm.us. Very government sounding. Um, we're on um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the Powder Hook app, which is a, is a growing app, but it's a great way for for sportsmen to communicate on a, on, a pl- on another platform. Um, you know, come to public meetings. You can find us at our regional offices in Raton, um, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Cruces, and Roswell. Roswell. <laughs> I knew I was missing someone. Um, but yeah, yeah, just get involved. Um, find us on any of those platforms and and see what's coming up in your community. Awesome. Not just Facebook involved. Actually show up. Right? Actually show up. Go. Yeah. Boots on the ground. Boots yeah. on the ground. It's funner to catch a, per- a fish in person than watch someone else do it online. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can contest to that. <laughs> you, you can contest to that? Yeah. I can, yeah. Attest. Shut up. <laughs> you can attest Shut to up that? there, Kyle. <laughs> uh, oh, and circling back to, I'm, I'm just going to put this plug in there. Circling back to the draw. Mm-hmm. If you're picking where you're going to hunt... Do yourself a favor. 
call the game officer in the conservation officer in that district and see if it's really a place you want to hunt. Yeah. Get some get some insider knowledge. Yeah. Um, unless you are just unless you just want to hunt. Unless, unless you just want to hunt. Yeah. If you're just after a tag, have at it. Yep. Cool beans. Awesome. Thank Tristana, you guys. Thank you so much yes, for joining us. For joining no us. problem. It's a um, great bunch of information for everybody. Like I said, I'm a big proponent of the department. Um, it's not perfect. Nope. It's a public Nothing agency. Is. Nothing's <laughs> perfect, but uh, I know for a fact that it's filled with passionate people who really are trying to do the right thing and, and yeah. care about the wildlife. So that's awesome. Thanks for joining, guys. Mm-hmm. Adios. Adios. thanks for joining not a grande outdoors podcast come follow us on instagram twitter facebook and youtube and don't forget about our website www.notagrandeoutdoors.com adios